Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Uh, my guest today is a extremely unique individual. Uh, as far as I know, maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he's the only person out there who's learned, learned to speak fluent colloquial Arabic as an adult. But on a much deeper level, I think he helps us realize that there's a common thread. We all share as humans, regardless of our background or upbringing. Up- upbringing. He came to the UAE from America to study marketing about 15 years ago and found himself becoming more and more immersed in the local culture. He claims that his social media success was a complete accident and currently has more than half a million followers on Instagram. If you haven't guessed it already, his name is Max Stanton and he's more commonly known as Max of Arabia. Max, uh, it's a pleasure to meet you and uh, be with you here today. Appreciate you. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm uh, really curious to dive into your story and just learn about Danny, more about who you are and how you came to be this unique person you are today. Okay. So um, I think it could be interesting to go go way back, Danny, yeah. to your early beginnings, um, just to learn how things how things started. Sounds good. But before we get started, like there's two things I need to correct. Yeah. I didn't move here from the US. Okay. Oh, okay. Yemen. I was actually living in Yemen. Thanks. And uh, what was the other thing? Yeah. But, but you moved to the Middle East from, from the US, right? No. Oh, where were you before that? I was born. Okay. So this is going to be like the next story, like where I started the whole thing. I don't know. But uh, I've had a weird life. Like we, we moved around a lot. Both my parents are teachers at international schools. Mm-hmm. So uh, we traveled a lot. I was born in Africa. So I was born in Botswana, lived there for a few years. I lived on a Navajo Indian reservation in uh, Arizona. Wow. So for a couple of years there, I lived in Zaire, got evacuated from Zaire. I moved to Aden in the south of Yemen, got evacuated from there. I moved to Kyrgyzstan for a year. <laughs> and this is like, Kyrgyzstan was like 1997, 1996, something like that. So it was kind of just coming out of communism type thing. Everybody had the same car. There's one type of phone. Wow. So that was different and difficult for us. So we only lasted a year there. Then I went back to Yemen, lived with my parents in the north of Yemen in Sana'a. And uh, from there, my parents got a divorce, moved to England, which was my choice. Like my parents gave me the choice where I wanted to go. Did I want to stay in Yemen with my dad or go to England with my mom? Yeah. I was like, yeah, let's go to England. I don't know. It took me a couple of weeks to realize it was the wrong decision for me. <laughs> I was like, no, I don't want to be here. So before the, before the final exams of the school year were there, I told my parents, like, I'm done. Take me back to my dad. So I went back to my dad, finished wow. high school in Yemen, and then from there moved to Sharjah. Wow, 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 wow. Okay, that's a lot more intense than I imagined. What was it like as a kid, Yen, growing up in all these different uh, countries, cultures, being exposed to any, it's a very unusual environment at such, a, at such a young age? I think for me, it's the best thing that's happened to me in my life, right? Like the combination of being all these places and having my parents who are so open to all experiences, mm-hmm. Because I had people like in the same school as me with the same background type of thing. My parents were teachers, their parents were teachers, but they weren't uh, allowed to hang out with the locals and weren't allowed to integrate as much as me. My parents were pretty much like, as long as you're not dying, go have fun. (laughs) So Alhamdulillah, I'm still here. But uh, like, it was, it was really nice for me to be able to actually experience. And I think that's the key thing that lots of people are missing when they do travel. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, I can go to Saudi. Yeah. And I can eat American food and hang out with Americans. Yeah. But why go to Saudi? Yeah. Right? If I go to Saudi, I want to see Saudis. I want to eat Saudi food. I want to hear Saudi music. Like I want to do everything that Saudis would be doing. Mm-hmm. And uh, like not everything that Saudis would be doing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to go to Middle Beast or anything. But uh, like, I, I want to see 
things properly and I like I want to experience yeah. things properly. So my parents were super open to that. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, that's been my biggest blessing. As, um, as someone you know, who's, I, I can't relate to what it must be like as a kid, but as an adult, I've tried to immerse myself in different cultures. And I think a uh, safety mechanism for me is, is to do what you just described, is to cling to people who are more familiar, do things that are more familiar. Uh, was it easy for you? Um, was it the fact that you were so young that you could immerse yourself so easily? I think probably, yeah. Like what you've been to do, like we were talking before, you lived in China, you lived in Japan. Mm-hmm. That would be like completely putting me out of my comfort zone. Like if you did it I don't think now, so. <laughs> if you did it to me now, like I don't know if I can handle it. Like 100%, I think we all try to cling to things mm-hmm. that are closer to us. Mm-hmm. But now like the Arab world is closer to me than anything. So I'm feeling much more at home here than I'd ever felt in the US or the UK. It's really interesting. And I like going there. I like seeing my family. I like visiting, but I find I have more in common with people here. Like I've got, I've got a friend in Oman who's a fisherman. He finished, like he got out of school at the age of 10 years old, maybe. Wow. Right. Cause he had to start working, but he's one of my best friends. Wow. And I'm closer to him than I would be to somebody of like a similar, I don't know, socioeconomic class, upbringing, whatever, as me living in the States or UK. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's really beautiful. If, um, yeah, I feel like when um, we're growing up, there are, there are decisions you make that really define who you are, define the kind of person you become. And I think, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think your decision to come back to the region and uh, move to Sharjah, stay in, the, stay in this part of the world, played a big role in making you... Yeah, who you are. A hundred percent. What What do you think, um, any, how How do you make decisions like that? How did you decide, okay, this is where I want to be. This is where I think I need to keep living my life, whether it's any for studying or for living. I don't know. Up until 18, I didn't really have any choice. Like the one choice yeah, I ever just made was, with the uh, exactly, staying with my family. <laughs> like the one choice I ever had was to go back to Yemen when my dad was there and my mom was still in England. But university, my mom's British. She wanted me to study in England. My dad's American, wanted me to study in America. Mm-hmm. And I looked at like a bunch of really, really random things. Mm-hmm. So there's Australian universities in Malaysia. And Malaysia is one of the countries that all Yemenis can get visas to. Mm-hmm. So all my Yemeni friends were going to Malaysia. I was like, yeah, I'm going to go study with to guys. American yeah. <laughs> uh, Australian University in Malaysia. <laughs> so I went to Malaysia and I didn't like the food. So I was like, there's no way I'm going to do four years in this country with this food. Like people are great. It's a really chill place, but the food didn't do it for me. Um, I looked at USC. I looked at NYU. I never really considered England because I don't like like the dismal weather. <laughs> to be fair, like I, I love England, right? But yeah. uh, I don't enjoy like I enjoy rain here, but I don't enjoy rain in England because it's cold and dark and wet and windy. It, yeah, and windy, and it doesn't stop. Like here, it's nice. Okay, you get a week of like really bad rain. And then everything's clean and shiny and it's warm again. So it's nice. But uh, yeah, I don't know what it was. Like I, in high school, I think it was AUC. They sent people to our school, like the American University of Cairo Mm -hmm. being like, yeah, you guys should come study with us. I've been to Egypt a lot of times. Mm -hmm. It's a beautiful country Mm -hmm. and like really rich culture. But if you're not Egyptian, it's difficult. Mm -hmm. Now less so because now they've got Uber. Like you, <laughs> you no longer have to fight over the price of taxis, which like for was me was life changing. But uh, as an expat or a Khadija or anything apart from an Egyptian, even an Egyptian, I think that lived outside and doesn't sound as Egyptian as they should, they can struggle back in Egypt. So that was <laughs> yeah. a no for me. 
So I, like I wanted to stay in the region because like I love the culture that I saw in Yemen, mm-hmm. but I went to like, I'm not going to say a crappy international school, but like there it was good, but on the global scale, it's not very good. Mm-hmm. So I never actually learned Arabic properly and I wanted to learn Arabic because, okay, I had lots of Yemeni friends. I liked it. I, w- I wanted to get deeper into it. So I was looking where I could learn Arabic. I looked at AUB in Beirut, but I was going to, I, I moved to university in 2006, 2007. Mm-hmm. There was a war in Beirut, uh, Beirut at the time. So that was off the, yeah. <laughs> off the market. The process of elimination. <laughs> yeah. So Egypt, no, because I was going to get ripped off by the tax drivers. <laughs> Beirut, no, because it was war. Um, uh, and then the next best choice for me was AUS. Okay. Wow. So I knew no one there. Never been. I was like, why not? So went all in. Wow. That's amazing. And sometimes I think it helps when, when you don't know anyone, it makes you sort of more open to the experience and yeah. to just learn it's more a, about yourself. A hundred percent. But uh, to be honest, Sharjah was shocking for me. In what way? Because everybody that I talked to was wanting me like, oh yeah, Sharjah is so strict. They'll put you in jail if for wearing shorts and watch out and this and that. Not realizing that I was coming from Yemen. <laughs> So like, I went to Sharjah and I think I was the only person in history of the world that went to Sharjah in like 2007 and felt like it's lo- like Las Vegas. Because I was used to like, every abaya is fully black and fully closed. <laughs> ya Allah. Right? I was used to every shayla. Like, like, suddenly like, you're seeing faces and eyes. I was like, wait, what? Like, this is allowed? Like, <laughs> you sure? So it was, uh, it was shocking, but like beautiful, beautiful experience. And I think... I went into university thinking I was going to go back to Yemen. Mm-hmm. Like my plan was I'm going to study four years and go back, get a job. All my friends were in Yemen, like the past mm-hmm. 10 years of my life, eight years of my life, whatever it was, was in Yemen. But moving to the UAE and like, you're here now. So I want to talk to you in a couple of years and be like, yeah, can, <laughs> can you move anywhere else? Mm-hmm. I feel it's a very difficult place to leave, mm-hmm. right? There is a rich and beautiful culture. There's amazing people. It's one of the few places in the world that I feel is like a genuine melting pot of cultures. Mm-hmm. And for me, like that's been my whole life, mm-hmm. but everywhere I went to is pretty much one flavor. Here you have everything, mm-hmm. right? So I think that's beautiful. And then combine it with the fact that everything works. <laughs> yeah. Mashallah, like it's not something you get many places in the world. So, yeah, so true. I came here four years in, I was like, there's no way I can leave. Yeah, plus we have the deepest pool in the world. Now we do. <laughs> How close are you at the bottom? Um, about 10 meters away. With no that's, that's incredible. Yeah, thanks for that. That's, um, so yeah, man, really, really interesting to hear. Um, when you're talking about Emirates um, uh, or comparing it to Yemen, because I was wondering, um, what's, what's home to you? Or, or uh, what does home mean to you? Big question. Um, honestly, UAE is my home. Right. I, I feel like the UAE is kind of a democracy. You vote with your feet. If you like it, you come here, you stay. If you don't, you can leave. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never felt so safe. I've never felt so at home. And also like put in mind that I never lived in a single place for more than maybe six years in a row. Mm-hmm. Like that was the longest I'd ever been anywhere. And even during those six years, we'd probably been in three, four different houses. We'd moved around, different things changed. So being here for like going on 15 years, um, I moved here when I was 18, I'm now 33. I kind of chose the path that I wanted to go on and everything that I've done since here, like not everything was what exactly what I wanted to do. Like I worked four years at Procter and Gamble and that was uh, not me, but alhamdulillah, we closed that chapter and we left. Very interesting. But uh, 
Yeah, for me, home is absolutely the UAE. And I think home is where you feel safe, mm -hmm. right? Home is where you feel understood. Mm -hmm. And home is where you feel free to be who you are. Like, I'm unapologetically me. That's and beautiful. people are fine with that way here. So. That's beautiful. What's home to you? Well, a home, it's also a difficult question for me. I feel like... So why are you um, asking me a difficult question? Difficult for you? It's difficult for me to put <laughs> yeah, you on the spot. I want to put you on the spot. That's what this is all about. Uncovering these uh, little gems. Home for me is, um, I guess, where... Yeah, like where I feel like I can I can do what I need to do. Like help where I can achieve my goals. Where I can be close to... Um, Important, of course, to have people you love around you, yeah, people that are 100%. Um, uh, you enjoy being with. Um, and to me, it's changed a lot over the years. Um, now, um, uh, I kind of like I like the the notion of not being tied to to a single place. Uh, I like um, kind of notion of saying, okay, maybe I can be here for six months, and then six months, this can be my new temporary home and then i can be here depending on, on you know are you a minimalist I, i'm trying to be uh, okay. my wife thinks i'm definitely not <laughs> but, uh, i i want to i want to try to be uh, move in that direction yeah, yeah. Fa fa uh, talking about factor and gamble uh, this is a side that i'm really interested in in, in any diving into a bit any the business side of uh doing what it is you do okay. um i feel like any more especially new generation they they look up to people like you and like wow any you can do this as a living it seems like so much fun um but uh honestly personally i have no idea what it's like to be self-employed um not even sure if this is your sole source of income and being an influencer but um if you could if you don't mind any no, dive into dive into this a bit yeah. talk us through um how it works how do you how do you make money how do you make it make a living I think super good question, super relevant and very, very important, especially for people kind of coming up in the industry. Because mm -hmm. I feel I have the benefit of, number one, I went to a good university. Mm -hmm. Number two, I worked in the corporate world for four years at one of the premier marketing companies in the world, right? They probably spend more on marketing than anybody else in the world mm -hmm. on a yearly basis for the past however many years it's been, 50 years, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. So I came in with a strong concept of brand Mm -hmm. and a, st a strong concept of what's off brand. Mm -hmm. And I think this is one of the things that people see and like, okay, realistically speaking, so taking one further step back, like I grew up, my family never really had that much money because they're teachers at international schools. Mm -hmm. So Alhamdulillah, we were blessed in many, many ways, but I wasn't growing up rich. Mm -hmm. We lived in third world countries. So yeah, we had a nice house and all this stuff because it wasn't expensive to live there. Mm -hmm. But after university, I thought all I want to do is make money. And this was honestly, it was my only goal. Like I did not care about a promotion. I did not care about whatever it was. I didn't care about a title. All I wanted was to make money. Mm -hmm. And I made money and I got to promotion and I got to promote, like, I did well for myself, mm -hmm. but I was deeply, deeply unhappy. Mm -hmm. So at the time, like Instagram was still kicking off and I launched, like I was still working at PNG, but I launched a streetwear brand with a business partner and pre-influencer marketing, mm -hmm. like it didn't exist. Mm -hmm. We'd give like hats. We make snapbacks and t-shirts and hoodies and stuff. And we'd give them to people that had followers. Oh, like, interesting. In those days, like somebody that had followers is like 20 to 50K was like a big deal. Interesting. Like, wow, he's got 20K. <laughs> K, it's not like numbers. Cause you're like 2,550. You can't see all the digits exactly. anymore. <laughs> like, oh my God, he's a K, he's got 20K. 
But uh, so I was like, I was working on the street brand, uh, streetwear brand after work. And we were giving people stuff and like one guy would give us three posts for a hat and a t-shirt because they'd never gotten anything for free. And it was like the first time that they felt like they're being recognized as being something like nobody was paying to be on social media. So I did a video that really popped off. Very simple video. I was early for a thought at my friend's house, didn't want to bother them and go in before I was supposed to be there. So I was sitting in the car and I thought like, everybody asked me, oh, Max, you're foreign. How do you speak Arabic? This coming like a guy like you, your Arabic is better than my Arabic. Your English is better than my English. <laughs> and you're also fluent in, you're also fluent in Mandarin, right? So like, how are you asking me how I speak a language like borderline okay? And you like, speak three languages better than me. When it comes to the dialects, I'm sure you could, uh, you'd make me look bad. I'm not sure, man. I'm not sure. Like, even my English is bad. If I close my eyes, your English is better than mine too. Uh, no, I mean, Arabic dialects, like you could uh, Possibly. You destroy I, I, I can get you with the Yemeni, but Definitely. you've got Chinese on me. So <laughs> it's kind of the trump card. But I, I literally asked like, why are Arabs shocked when they see white people speak Arabic when 90% of Arabs speak good English? It's the same two languages. And like that video went nuts. I had like 3000 followers or something. And there was more than 3000 comments on the video. Because people didn't like back then, like social media was just popping off. Nobody was putting themselves out there. Like I've got now a lot of friends that I know that speak great Arabic, mm. right? Like there is a guy in Oman called Oliver. He speaks amazing Armani. Mm. I've got a friend called Bentley Brown, who's from Texas, grew up in Chad. He speaks perfect Arabic. Really? I've got a friend in uh, Jordan called Lizzie. Ooh, mashallah, she's learned Jordanian Arabic in like two years or something like some. Oh, incredible I, I think, yeah, I saw you did a live with her, right? Was yeah, that yeah. her? Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Like uh, she's yeah. super talented. Like there's so many people that are now coming out. Yeah. But at the time I was something that was like, I don't know, an oddity to people. Mm. So then I was thinking about it. I was like, wait, like, why am I giving people free hats and free shirts when I've got more eyes on me? Like I don't have the followers, yeah. but 100% the interactions there more than like there was engagement didn't exist in the the dictionary, it didn't, it wasn't there. It's like, like more people are looking at me than at them. So the only reason I started doing videos is I wanted more people to buy my streetwear brand. No way. That was the motivation. It was the only reason I did it. I didn't want to share what I had to think, but I, okay. I find myself semi funny. I was like, yeah, I can say things that I I like and whatever. It's 15 second videos at the time. Mm. We're good. So every day it'd be a new video with a new shirt and a new hat done. So that was what kicked off the growth on social media. And I was doing both of them at the same time. But like early days, okay, I was growing fast. There was no money to be made on social media. And then slowly, slowly, it's like, okay, I've got work, but somebody's saying, come here and we're going to pay you this much to do an ad for us. It's like, wait, like there's money behind this. So then I started thinking about like, what do I actually want to do in life? Because the day I signed the contract at PNG, like no hate on PNG, it's an amazing company. Just like a desk life is not me. Yes. I like my freedom. I'd like to be able to say today, I'm going to work for 20 hours. Tomorrow I'm going to work for zero. Like, I like that. So I was thinking about it and thinking about it and what to do and all this stuff. And at the time I thought, oh yeah, I need to save for a house because that's a responsible thing to do. But obviously I'm going to save and get a mortgage and then be locked up for 20 years, trying to pay off the mortgage and all this stuff. So it got to the point where I was like, okay, I need to quit. Every morning I go into Whirly, Irk Whirly, uh, Irk Whirly. You see, I can't even speak English. Every day I would go into work early and I'd read the news. Like I love, I'm a voracious reader. I love knowing what's going on in the world. And I'd read the news and an ad popped up. It's like looking for Emirati men. We're doing a camel trip in the UAE on camel, like traditionally, blah, blah. 
And I was like, whoa, that's awesome. So I was like, what should I do? Emirati oh, man. Well, I'm a man, but I'm not Imarati. <laughs> yeah. So I sent them a message. I was like, oh yeah. So my name is Max Stanton and I'd really like to come on your trip, but I'm not Imarati. Can you, can you take me with you? And like the reply was immediate and like, oh yeah, it doesn't matter where you're from. We'd love to have you, which was amazing for me. But wait, like I have a full-time job and I've not quit. So this was slightly before the four years and I was trying to get to the four years. So I get the full bonus and all this stuff. And I was thinking about, I was like, okay, so I can only go for two days because weekend and then Sundays work from home. So if I stay off on Sunday, okay, I can get three days in. I was talking to one of my colleagues who's like the chillest guy ever. I can't name his name because... Uh, <laughs> put him in trouble. <laughs> possibly put him in trouble if anybody sees this. But he's like, what are they going to do? They're going to fire you? I was like, yeah, what are they going to do? They're going to fire me? I'm going on the whole trip. So I, I literally sent my resignation. Yeah, no, I sent my resignation. I did two weeks and I was like, yeah. And I've been invited on this trip and I'm going. And I left. I didn't wait for a reply. I didn't wait for anything. Because my entire team was based in Geneva. Okay. I was remotely located. Okay. So I went on a 14-day camel trip. Wow. And uh, 400 kilometers. Wow. Camping. Went to the Armani <laughs> border and came back. Wow. And it was great because like, okay, I had my phone, but I wasn't on my phone. Right, didn't have a charger and all this stuff. So it was a great time to really think about what mattered to me. Wow. So then, okay, I quit my job. I had savings enough to live for one year. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, I can maintain the same life that I'm living for one year without making any money. So I did that. I quit. But then I was like, okay, so what am I going to do? Like, okay, social media is cool and stuff, but I don't want to be useless. Mm. So I was kind of thinking of... Like, I feel that every person has kind of a unique path that's best suited for them. Mm-hmm. Like, for you, you can do a million jobs, right? You're highly intelligent, you're highly eloquent, you're super fit. Like, there's so many things that you could do, mm-hmm. but there's so many of the things that you could do, other people could also do. Mm-hmm. Right, right. So, so like, it's all about finding that niche. Finding a niche and finding something that adds value to you, but also to the world. Right. Because, okay. Absolutely. If I can do my job at PNG and 50 other people can do it, I'm not doing something special. Absolutely. So like yeah, there's a few I, different I love things. That. I love that. Yeah, for me it was important, right? Because like obviously I've been put on the world for a reason, right? There must be some value that I add, not not just taking and taking. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that I'd realized through my social media is that there's lots of people that don't see the value in Arabic. Now there's Arab content creators. Mm-hmm. When I was starting, most people were doing English content, mm-hmm. even if they're Arab. Because mm-hmm. that's the TV that you see, that's the movies that you see, that's the magazines that you read, that's the music. Mm-hmm. And like, I was like, wait, but like everybody's shocked that I'm speaking Arabic. So obviously it's easier for me speaking English, but all my videos are in Arabic. Because I want number one to make a point, like listen, Arabic is valuable and like we need to give it its fair, its fair weight or whatever. Mm-hmm. So that was one. Another thing that I wanted to show is that the fact that you can learn Arabic as a non-Arab. Yeah. And this is one of the things that angers me in the UAE and many other places, but like there's lots of expats that come here and don't learn the language. And not, not looking at anyone in specific. No, he's not listening. Right. <laughs> it's like, I don't know, it's like kind of going to a restaurant and not tasting the food, mm. right? If I go to Saudi, and like last year I was in Saudi for 35 days in a row, we filmed the TV show there. The interaction that I have with the people in a different language would not be the same as I'm being sure. in, their, in, their, in their mother tongue. I'm sure, yeah. So if I can inspire one, like in my whole life, one person to learn Arabic or any other language, 
I feel like, okay, there's value there because they're going to have experiences. Otherwise there's no way that they have. Right, right, right. And I'm so, sure it works the other way too. If, if um, you're interacting with a Saudi who doesn't speak English, but suddenly has, is, is like communicating with you effortlessly. It feels like, wow, like that, what does it feel like to be, to be Max? Like to be able to glide between these two worlds. I think it's a blessing. Cultures. So I, I'm sure that inspires people to, to maybe learn other languages too, or, or explore other cultures. I'd hope so. Other thing is, I know lots of Arabs here that don't speak Arabic. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Like, That's another a big theme. I don't know. You've moved around a lot, like I'm sure you saw in Japan or stuff. There's things that to you were absolutely beautiful. Mm-hmm. But to Japanese people, oh, it's not daily life. Yeah. Right? Like here, simple things, right? Mm-hmm. Shaking your coffee cup. Yeah. Right? It's just something you're taught as a kid here. Like yeah. it's nothing special. But when you see it through new eyes, it's like, whoa, that's super cool, right? Or going through a door, right? Mm. In the Middle East, whoever's on the right goes through the door first. It's an unwritten rule and you have to stick by it. Mm. That for me is beautiful. For everybody else, it's like, oh yeah, normal. This is, this is life, yeah. So seeing that and trying to put like a focus on that, kind of st- that, that type of stuff was important to me. Mm-hmm. And then slowly, slowly it opened up like other things. So like I started doing it full time. And if ads came in, I'd do ads, yeah. but I was living on my savings basically. Yeah. So creating content, traveling, posting about where I'm doing daily life, jokes, social commentary, whatever it was. And because it was like, I call myself an accidental content creator. Like it was never my career path. It's not what I intended to do. Mm-hmm. It's not something I'm trained in. It's just something that I've done a lot. And I just kept on doing it, kept on doing it, kept on doing it. And then more jobs came in, more jobs came in. So then it got to the point where it's like, okay, you know what? This is actually, I'm not going to say sustainable because one of the things about doing this, it's the same as any freelancing work. Yeah. In one month, you might make six months salary and in six months, you might make nothing. Mm. And this is where I think possibly the most important part comes in for like new content creators, influencers, whatever you're going to call it. You have to be picky. Mm-hmm. Like I turned down a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say 90%, but probably more than 70% of the stuff that comes my way, I say no to because it's not me. Yeah. Right. And yes, it would be nice to have 10 times as much money. Right? It would make my life easier. Mm-hmm. Yes. It would be nice to not necessarily have to worry about the rent or whatever and take better care of my mom and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But also like, I'm a person, I don't want to set out. Yeah. It's, not, it's I th- feel like it's important to you to be authentic to who you are. A hundred percent. And like in so many different levels, mm-hmm. right? So one of them is ads. Obviously, like if there's something I don't believe in, like, okay, if I don't smoke, mm-hmm. I don't believe in smoking. I don't think it's good. I think nothing good comes of it. So vape company comes to me and says, we're going to pay you really well. Yeah, no like way. that's great. You can keep your money. Thank you very much. I love that. That you have these values. Yeah, You have to, right? Because in the end, especially now, like what do I have apart from my name and my reputation? Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, it's another thing with doing, in my opinion, city content. Yeah. Not all my content's valuable by no means. Like, <laughs> well, I don't believe that. Like I'm the first, I know lots of it is really city. But there's entertainment value too. I'm there's sure, entertainment yeah. value, but like, I don't want to do things that either I would regret or my family would regret or people they respect me would look at. And like, I'm not trying to live something for them. And I, like, I really live my own life. Mm-hmm. But if my mom watches something and she wouldn't, be happy seeing me do it. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. Right. If like, I'm not married now, but if like my future wife's father watches a video and he sees me doing something, it's like, 
what's my face going to be? I'm going to be this tall in front of him when he's seen me wearing a wig and pretending I'm a girl or something. Like to each their own. Yeah. But for me, stuff like that was a hard no. Yeah. So, and like another super important thing, I said there's levels to this. I want you to meet me online and meet me offline and be the same person. Like realistically speaking, I censor myself more online. All right, I'm slightly less PG mm. offline. <laughs> yeah. Like with the guys and stuff, everything is based on where you are. But at the same time, like if you meet me and you've been following me for how long, like you'll be like, yeah, it's the same person. That's instantly how I felt when I, when I met you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because for me, that's super important. Like there's so many people I know in this industry and so many people like they're so different. Like, oh yeah, guys, I uh, hope you're having a great day. And they turn off and like, <laughs> like it's yeah, yeah. it's fine I'm, like i'm not gonna say i'm always happy i get depressed i have issues i'm the same as anybody else in the world right like yes i generally try to show a happier side yeah. but i'm not showing a fake happy all right i'm showing what i have but some people it's like a hundred percent like a mask and a costume that they put on it's like, like an act almost like they're hundred percent they're going into a character embodying a different character hundred yeah. percent and i respect that in some areas like Acting is difficult. I'm, I'm not a good actor, mm-hmm. right? But for me, I just wanted to be true to myself mm-hmm. and I'd like the same me to be available everywhere. Mm-hmm. But also at the same time, I want to control what people know about me. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, one of the problems, and I like literally, I think my last video I posted was on this. Not everything has to be lived through the phone. Mm-hmm. Like I live as a content creator. Yeah. yeah, I have other interests. I'm doing other things at the same time, but I live as a content creator. This is 90% of my income. Doing that, like I came in here, I didn't take out my phone, right? Because this is the first yeah, time respect, I meet you in person, respect, right? Really. And for me, the experience of meeting you properly is much more important than sharing that with other people, mm-hmm. right? And it's the same thing if I'm traveling, like I've tried to do vlogs so many times. 90% of the time I'll do a one day vlog and I'm like, you know what? I'm a Riyadh and I'm gonna enjoy Riyadh, like let's enjoy with the guys or whatever. So I stopped filming. Because yeah, I just want to enjoy it. I want to enjoy. Yeah, yeah. And like, I don't know if you've met any like serious, serious vloggers. Mm-hmm. My so um, my wife's trying. She's she's okay. like trying to explore this world. But I, I I can relate to the struggle. Like, cause it's um, and on one hand, I feel like isn't it so much fun to enjoy this just from your perspective? Yeah. But then it's uh, okay, like. Uh, the value of documenting it and the pros and cons. Yeah. So, um, man, it's it's tough. I think it's really really tough to to like vlog or document your life yeah. in that way. No, I think it's it's difficult and it's definitely a skill. Yeah. But also for me, like I don't have aspirations of being the biggest in the world or mm-hmm. the best in the world or anything like that. Like I'd like to do well at what I'm doing. I'd like to be able to support myself, my family. I'd like to add what I see as value and hope that other people also see it as value. Mm-hmm. But I think so many people, and this is the scary thing because now everybody on social media is a fashionista and a social media content creator, like everybody, they can have three followers and they're doing food reviews, right? Yeah. Hey guys, hey fans, whatever. And like, it's worrying to me yeah. because even regular people like that, it's not their job. They're not living their, you've got three people watching you and you're not living your life because of it. Yeah. Right? Or you go to a restaurant and you see people ordering a lot of food only to take pictures of it. Like I hate food yeah, waste. Yeah, it's really, it's really they, sad. Yeah. They get a milkshake and they don't drink it. They just take a picture and throw it. It's like, what are you guys doing? Yeah. Right? Yeah, so it's, it's really, really heartbreaking, I think. Yeah. There's, there's so much of that that I wish could be avoided. 
Absolutely, absolutely. And it's sad to see, I feel like, especially when you look at um, kids or teenagers, yeah. um, their experience of something is is largely dictated by how their followers react to it. 100%. If, if uh, they got good engagement or people liked it or commented, this was the best day ever. And yeah. They loved what they did. 100%. But uh, vice versa, shitty day. Yeah. And, and it's sad because that's something completely out of their control. And and you don't want to be, um, I don't know. You don't want to give away so much power to other people. I think hundred percent. I think there's lots of people now that I see doing things not because they actually enjoy them, mm. but because they think people would enjoy seeing them do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like any extreme sport, right? Yeah. What percentage of people that actually go to deep Dubai, deep dive Dubai? want to actually free dive or scuba dive right? <laughs> as opposed to and, i'm at the deepest in the world. and would they do it if there were no cameras right? that's a really good that's a so, nice way to look at it yes it's cool that you do it and i think everybody should try it i love the place yeah right like i was there for the opening i've been back multiple times it's beautiful it's beautifully run it's a beautiful facility everybody should go mm-hmm. but like focus on enjoying it as opposed to focusing on, okay, wait, where's the camera? Like, can you guys see me type of thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's nice to document moments, but like the whole thing, no. So like for, I used to, I'm not be big, but I'd get like 300, 400,000 views on Snapchat a day. Mm-hmm. And I've not closed my Snapchat, but I don't snap mm-hmm. because Snapchat's constant. Yeah. You need to be replying to people. You need to be messaging people. You need to be posting everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you meet Snapchatters and, and Saudi, mashallah, there's so many, like you go to a small village and there's like the official Snapchat of the small <laughs> village, like literally with like a signpost with a snap code on it. That's but, uh, man, like they're hardcore Snapchatters. Like we went there and there's this like Um Ahmed Kareja. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, lady, la tinsa, Snapchat. It's like, okay, inshallah, inshallah. Yeah. But uh, I like pretty much took myself like out of, yeah, st- yeah. stepped away from Snapchat just because it has to be 24 seven. Yeah. And for me, like it's much more important to live than to share that. I'm like, like, yes, there's some things like, for instance, if I'm doing charity work, I'd much rather be just doing the charity work than filming, but there's a reason I'm getting that opportunity to do the charity work is because we're trying to raise money. Mm. Right. So there, that value obviously outweighs my experience. Yes. yes and my yes, experience yes. is multiplied by other people being able to get involved, but like on something personal, right. Live it, enjoy it, like be there, be present, like focus on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't have to show everything to the world. Salaha, really, at this, uh, this point, I think uh, you um, really, really blew me away. I think I, um, sometimes I come into uh, these, these podcasts with a certain um, an expectation of okay, that, but really, I, any huge respect, Salaha. I think a lot of people who are in this in this uh, in a similar industry to, to what you do, um, not any through any fault of their own, but they're uh, they have see phone addiction. They're addicted to their phone. Um, it's it's really hard to be, even like the slightest lull or drop yeah. in the conversation. It's like a safety Contact. mechanism. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I just want to say thank you, man. I appreciate yeah. it. That's I appreciate uh, so it. nice. It means a lot, but uh, I think it's it's important, especially for people coming up. And like I've had this conversation with lots of people because mm-hmm. one of the things that you don't realize is attention is an addiction, mm. all right? If in high school, you're always the smartest kid and oh, great job in elementary school getting gold stars, you go to university and don't get that, it affects you, Yeah. right? If you used to bring in the views and you don't anymore, it affects you. Yeah. 
if whatever happens, your followers are going down, it's like, wait, what? People don't like me anymore. Like it can affect you. Yeah. And this is one of the things that I definitely see with content creators now. Like there's lots of them that have started doing things that previously they wouldn't have done. Right. Mm. So as a couple, okay, you guys start fighting because the fighting videos get more views, right? Or you never wanted to have your kids on TV. You never wanted to have your kids on like property shown because you're not actually giving them a choice. Yes, yes, right? yes, yes. It's like, wait, but yeah, if I put my girls on video, Suddenly. double, uh, double views. So it's, it's a dangerous, slippery slope. Yeah. And I was actually having this conversation with a really good friend recently because uh, he's a chef, Yemeni American chef blowing up in the US, mashallah, doing amazing stuff. He's like classically trained French chef, but elevating Yemeni cuisine through, uh, through his training. Wow. Amazing guy. Really cool. Amazing guy. And inshallah, if he comes here, like I'd love for you to meet him because like, he's amazing. But we're having this discussion because on one side you see it's like, yeah, views, money, followers, blah, yeah. blah. But on the other side, it's like, what are you happy with? Yeah. Right. Are you happy showing your kids? Are you happy with your wife and you having everything on display? Mm-hmm. Where does the acting stop? Like there's so many things. So yeah, 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 yeah. I think it's important for people to realize there's more than just views. And I'm, t- I'm saying this is somebody that my livelihood depends on views. Yes, yes, yes. Right. In my opinion, it's not worth it to some people. It is to each their own, but I think it's definitely something to keep in mind. If you're thinking of getting this industry, absolutely. Like, make sure you think before you need to make the decision where you want to draw the line in the sand. Mm, I love that. So making sure your values are clear Yeah, and you know, this is where, this is, this is where I'm willing to go. And this is, like where I'm going to 100%. You've got your red lines yeah. and you set it before there's money on the table. Yes, yes, yes. So then somebody okay. comes and says, well, listen, there's, there's, <laughs> there's 20,000 dirhams on the table if you do this. And you're like, you know what? You can keep it because I don't smoke. Mm. All right. Stuff like that. So nice. So nice. Um, a related question I'm wondering about is um, the the creative aspect of coming up with, with content. Yeah. You're any... You're, you 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 put out really really funny content, and I think any it's 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 like art or a skill, maybe in a, similar to writing or something like that. And um, any I don't know my my I imagine it's not something that's that's easy. Maybe it's not something you understand that well. But if you could talk us through the process of like okay, um, any from thought or, or even before you have a thought like you know, you want to post something. Ha, what, what's next? What goes, Eddie, what happens from there? This is, this is dangerous. This is an excellent question as all your questions are. And I have to say, you have like the best, most relaxing voice in life. Like you, you should definitely do audio books. I don't even, I want to just like ask you questions so I can listen to you. Cause you're very like calming and it sounds so good. Good to know. I have a backup for the career plan. Uh, do audio books hundred <laughs> percent. But, uh, now I forgot the question. What was the question? About uh, your, the creative oh, aspect creative, of content yeah. creation. So yeah. early on, it was easy, mm. right? Because early on, like what, I was 20, whatever I was, 25, 23. Mm-hmm. So I had 23 years of experiences that I could share, mm. right? And 23 years of observations. Mm-hmm. The only place I had to put them out in the world before was Twitter. Mm-hmm. So picture speaks is like, what, worth a thousand words? Yeah. A video is worth however many more than that. So that was very easy for me in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that I think I'm lucky is because I consider myself an ant- accidental content creator. Like I'm not pigeonholed into one thing. Mm-hmm. I can post on whatever I want 
I can post on the refugee crisis. I can post on a football game. I can post on travel, whatever it is. People accept it from me. If you come out as, okay, you are the freediving guru. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden you post about a car. People are like, listen, stay in your lane. Yeah, 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 free diving. absolutely. So for me, I think that's a blessing that I have in my side. Mm-hmm. But uh, work is work, yeah. right? And this is one of the things that I think people don't realize looking in on this. Like, oh yeah, it's so easy. It's so much fun. I've got 15 second videos that it took me nine hours to edit. Wow. Right? Literally a 15 second video. Wow. So that's just the editing? Just the editing. That's not oh shooting. God. That's not anything. Um, also. Hey, that's, that's a side. I feel like, um, I don't know. Personally, I'd be fascinated to see like just, not just in this industry, but generally you only, what you perceive or what you can see it's usually the end of 100%. thousands of years of someone's refining their craft, putting work into it, preparing, executing. Uh, yeah, very easy to underestimate right. what goes into it. You're driving, right? You're a race driver. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, he drives a Porsche. He's fast, right? But how much time, effort, exercise, like you train uh, uh, yeah, to yeah, race. Absolutely. Right? If you put a regular person in a race car for the period of a race, they'd pass out. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't manage it. They wouldn't survive it. Right? Yeah, Same yeah, with your free diving. Thousands of like years of conditioning. And it's, the- it's a lot of hard work. Mm-hmm. Right? So you think, oh yeah, but it's only 60 meters. It's like, yeah, you try 60 meters. Right? Because it's conditioning. Yeah. Right? It's physical. It's mental. Right, it's training, it's technique, it's preparation, it's making sure you eat right. I don't know if you avoid dairy. Like, there's a whole lot of stuff that you do as a free right, 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 right. in order to be able to do it at the high level. Exactly, that people don't see. Exactly, it's uh, it's the same thing. Like, people think, oh yeah, like, and I, I had this discussion once. Like, I'm not going to bring up the company, but I once kind of flipped on somebody. Okay, because they're an event. They called me up. They're like, yeah, Max, we'd like you to come and cover our event. I was like, great. At the time I wasn't signed with an agency. So I was doing my own dealing, okay. which was a bad idea, but I did it anyways. <laughs> like Max, come to our event and cover it. I was like, okay, great. What's the budget? Yeah. Like, what do you mean? What's the budget? It's like, what are you going to pay me to come? Yeah. Like, no, no, there's no budget. This is good for the world. It's like, okay, cool. Do you get paid? They're like, no, no, I don't get paid. It's like, oh, so you're a volunteer for this company. It's like, no, no, I have a salary. Right. It's like, okay, so you get a salary. So you're getting paid to be there. Are the people that are bringing the food getting paid? Like, yeah, yeah, they're getting paid. Like, okay, is the location getting paid? Yeah, of course. Like, we have to pay for the location. Is a setup, audio, video, videographer. Everybody was getting paid, but they assumed that it's like, no, no, you just show up and take a video and post it and that gets free. I've got hundreds of thousands of dirhams worth of equipment. I've got thousands of hours into this, right? Like, there's so much that has brought me to this place. Yeah. Like, I don't have a, I don't have a salary. I can easily go three, four months without making a dirham. Yeah. I live in Dubai. It's not the cheap place to be. Definitely not. So like there's so much that people don't see. And in the end, this is a job. So sometimes I feel like I have to post something. So I, I went through a period of maybe like two years where I was like, I'm not allowed to post pictures. You wanted to make everything a video. I wanted to make everything a video. And this was before videos did better than pictures. Like now pictures, they're kind of like deprioritized on the algorithm. I don't know. Okay. Interesting. But it was just to force myself not to be lazy. Yes, yes, yes. Because it's very easy to go through my phone and find a picture. It's like, oh yeah, cool. I was in Socotra, <laughs> right? Let's post a picture from there. But for two years, I was like, you know what? There's no cheating. Mm. Like you need to, you need to sit on it. And you need to think. So I have a note on my phone and sometimes it comes in the shower. Sometimes it comes when I'm driving. Sometimes whatever it is, like something will pop into my idea it could be a comedy sketch. It could be something that's happened. It could be something that somebody said. Mm-hmm. 
Like I recently started trying to get fit again. So I started going to the gym. Mm-hmm. It's like everybody in the gym's on their phones. Like why are you coming to the gym if you're going to like literally speak on your phone the whole time? So it's like, okay, this is something that really bothers me. Let's see if it bothers other people. Right. And then there's things that are important to me. Like I really want to support my friends because mm-hmm. I feel if I'm not going to support my friends, who's going to support them? Like yeah. they're my friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if my friend opens a restaurant, I want to post about that. Mm-hmm. If my friend does something good, right. If they, they have an achievement that I think they deserve celebration for, then I want to celebrate them. Mm-hmm. But uh, honestly, the creativity part is hard. Like I think yeah. I'm a creative person, but when it's 24 seven, it's difficult. And this is another thing where you kind of have to like be on brand. Lots of companies will come to you and will happily make you post crap. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, here's a water bottle. And you can be like, <laughs> you hear the oh, guidelines to hold num- this number one water. It's like, but that's not me. Like I want to make a story about it. Cause that adds zero value to people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, uh, um, again, not all my posts add value to anyone. They could be extremely stupid, <laughs> but like, especially with an ad, something that I'm getting paid for. Yeah. If it doesn't do good for the brand, if it doesn't do well for the brand, it's not doing well for me. Mm-hmm. Even if I get paid, like recently there was a brand that I was supposed to work with. Khalas, contract signed, everything's done. But then I like, I noticed it was a little bit weird. Like the brief didn't fit the deliverables. So I told my manager, like, listen, put me on a call with them. We had a long call like 20 people on the call. I voiced my concerns. They said, yeah, so appreciated. Great. We'll get back to you. They got back to me like, listen, you don't care if the video performs, right? We want it how we wanted it. I told my managers like, you all right with me dropping out? She's like, yep. I like, peace out. Hmm. If it doesn't do well for them, it's not doing well for me. Even if I get paid. Cause then maybe later on a different brand wants to work with me. And they see this, a video that was terrible. Right, right. It's like, why would you accept that to be on your, on your page? Right. Yeah. Everything you put out there is like part of your portfolio, basically. hundred percent. Right. And there is people that are very happily, very happy reposting other people's content. If I'm not in the video, I don't want to post it. Mm. I post it on stories. Mm -hmm. Right. But as like a feed post, Mm -hmm. I don't want to post something that I'm not in. Yeah. And if somebody wants me to post something, I'll tell them, listen, you can literally do a sponsored ad. You can target it way better than I can target it, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Like you want a Saudi men with one eye, you can find a group of Saudi men with one, like you can do it, right? You want you want Americans over 300 pounds with one foot, you can do it. Like you can target exactly how you want to target. Don't waste your money on me, right? If you just want to get more views on something that's all you, don't do it. But like, if you're paying somebody that, like I consider myself a content creator, I don't know, I don't like the word influencer because it like- how it and comes it, with a lot of baggage. It's a, it's a catch-all term and there's yeah, a lot of people there that I don't want to associate with. Yes, yes, right? yes, yes, yes. I enjoy creating content. If people are influenced by it, it's up to them. Yeah. But there's so many people that will put anything out there yeah. and really don't care. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's worth it, mm-hmm. right? Like I want to have creative freedom. So if you tell me, Max, okay, whatever, go bananas. I want to sell a banana. I'll say, okay, listen, give me a couple of days. I want to think about how I can make a story behind this. Because if my audience can watch a story about going bananas, it's going to be much more catchy than me just holding a banana. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I can just hold the banana and it's mm-hmm. easier for me and it's less time for me and I'll make the equal amount of money. But it's not worth it, right? Like I want it to stick in their head. I want it to be memorable and I want it to do good for the brand that I'm partnering with. I Which love that. I, I think it's important. That. Yeah, absolutely. That's really, really nice. I'm kind of seeing this as like, um, I want to imagine that what you're doing like a business, the content creation. So you have 
Um, if you're not comfortable sharing, no, no, uh, you can it. stop. But Mathen, uh, Hain, you mentioned you have an agency that's helping you manage yeah. uh, things. For, for I'm guessing um, they get a lot of any incoming requests and they're vetting things out for you and they think, okay, this is going to be good. This is maybe, um, here's what we have on the table. You're coming in, you're like, okay, yeah, let's do this, let's do this. And we can plan out this week. Yeah. Um, anyone else involved in the team? Is there, like, am I missing an element? Uh, ideally, or? there would be somebody that can help me with content creation. Mm-hmm. like Or like a production team. or It a, would level up my content and make it easier for me to focus less on the edit, less on the filming, mm-hmm. and actually have people there. So, like, I'm looking for somebody. I want to hire somebody full-time to film with me. Because mm-hmm. then I can also do more. Got it. Like, it'll free you up to focus more on... Uh, it frees me up to do more. And also I think it kind of elevates the content when not everything's self-held or yeah, tripod type of yes, thing. Yes, yes. So that would help me. And I think the people that are levels above me, that's the way they do it. Interesting. But uh, yeah, currently I have a team, which is the agency. And the reason I'm signed with an agency, I hate, hate, hate yeah. arguing with people about yeah. money. And <laughs> have you paid? And yeah. Why didn't you pay? And here's the contract. And it's like, listen, I want to focus oh on creating content. Oh my God, what content. a hassle. I could only imagine that. I don't enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. It doesn't sound and like fun. I've, I've been with a couple of agencies. I managed myself. Like I made two emails. One was info at maxarabia.com and one was max at maxarabia.com and one I answered it as if it wasn't me. Mm-hmm. Oh, right? interesting. I, yeah. I wanted to remove myself from it as much as possible. Right? Yeah, so yeah, I was like, yeah, listen, yeah, go yeah. talk to my manager. Then reply to him. It's like, yeah, Max said you're going to email us, blah, blah, what do you want? But I don't enjoy that part of things. So I think it's very difficult. And anybody that thinks they're going to get into influencer marketing, it is the hardest, most cutthroat industry in the world, hands down. And for many reasons, but number one, because 99% of people that are on social media think that there's something special, even though they're not, <laughs> right? Which is another huge pet peeve of mine, like self-important, inflated ego stuff. Like yeah. everybody's the same, man. And people don't realize it. They get a blue tick or they get a couple hundred thousand followers, a million followers, whatever it is. They're still a person. They're still a normal person. There's nothing there, right? Like for you, like knowing you, to me, you're an athlete, right? Before anything else. If it's, a dri- so too, yeah. if it's a driver, if it's a free diver, whatever it is, like I see you as an athlete. Mm-hmm. So if you told me that you have fans, I'd be like, yeah, you are an elite level athlete. You deserve to have fans, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But when people talk about their fans and they're on social media, it's like, what are you doing? <laughs> like fans for what? What skill do you have, mm-hmm. right? You dance, right? Okay, fine. I guess dancing is a skill. I can't dance, mm-hmm. right? But you, yeah. you do, I don't know, like, uh, what is it? Um, lip syncing videos? <laughs> What are you talking about fans? Like, who are you to say you have fans, right? And then yeah, you meet yeah. people that are literally like on the top of their game and very, whatever it is, either in government or whatever it is. And they're super down to earth and super chill. Yeah. And you find somebody that's recently got 20,000 followers and he's talking down to people. Like, come yeah, on, yeah, like, yeah. seriously, like calm down, like Absolutely. come back to earth and stop. <laughs> it's not cool. <laughs> yeah, I love that. To- totally, Eddie, relatable. Um I mentioned, uh, I, so doing research for this, um, and this, I'm uh, drinking a lot of water because like, I've never talked this much in my life. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Eh? I'm enjoying myself. This is fun. I'm glad you're enjoying it. Um, so yeah, doing research for this, uh, talk, I, um, came across, uh, I think an interview you did where you mentioned that you're, this was maybe two years ago, three years ago, that you've been wanting to put more effort into your YouTube channel. Uh, still wanting to <laughs> yeah, nice <I> still, question 
<laughs> what's uh, what's that been like? So I'm just curious to know, uh, first of all, the motivation behind it. Yeah. Um, I know that uh, monetization is easy or easier on, on yeah. YouTube. It's like directly linked to views and, and you can just yeah. pop the ads in. Uh, is that the motivation? Um, if not, yeah, maybe it's just it gives you a different um, way of expressing or creating content. Um, what's the motivation? Why, why is it something you, you feel like you want to focus on? Again, good question. And there's like multiple answers for it. Mm-hmm. So number one is I put a lot of effort into content. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily the content is that beautifully filmed, but there's a lot of thought process behind it and stuff like that. And when I do film something longer, like I film it and edit it myself. So I traveled somewhere, I did something that I thought was worth sharing. Mm-hmm. And if it's worth sharing, that it means it's worth sharing with the world more than it's worth me just enjoying it, which is like my standard. So Better. that's effort. But if I create something for Instagram today, yeah. you'll see it maximum three, four days later. Unless you recently discover me like, oh, this guy's weird. Let's go back and like see everything he's posted, <laughs> right? Which I do. Like if I meet somebody new and I think they're cool, it's like, okay, yeah. Like I went to your, your profile. I went back a long way. <laughs> like, okay, this guy's cool. No, because like we met through a mutual friend. Right, right, right. right? So just, uh, and Haytham's like, Max, check. he's a good guy. <laughs> he gave me the tick on you. So I was like, okay, I know you're chill. I saw your profile. I was like, no, no, you're really cool. Right? <laughs> so I went back. But for the regular person, if they go to your profile, yeah. they're not going to go back. So you could have done something killer a week ago, mm. but it's gone. Yeah. And it doesn't matter. Right, right, right. Things on YouTube live. Right. So if you post a video today on Instagram and it gets five views, in 10 years, it might be five views. Yes. yes, yes. On I YouTube, it might be discovered 10 years later and it might get 50 million views. Right. That's, uh, that's something I never really thought of. It's, yeah. It's, it's very different about the two platforms. Yeah. So that's one. And since that interview, no, I haven't done anything on my YouTube, <laughs> but I've got something new for you to ask me about to the next person to ask me about in another three years. Yeah. Let's tell me. I want to start doing more. English content. Okay. Weirdly so, but I'll tell you like my ideas behind it. Okay. I feel I've reached kind of the point that I want in Arab, like I'm not saying, oh, everybody knows blah, 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 mm-hmm. but I've reached the point where I wanted to reach where it's no longer, oh, you're white and you speak Arabic. Yeah. People see me for, okay, the content that I create. Yeah. Which was always my goal, yeah. right? Okay, it's funny for the first three jokes that, ha, ha, ha. Oh, and to kill him, Arabi. Nam. Like, khalas. Right? Like, this was funny in 2006. Move on. Right? And some people, like, they don't move past that. Like, whatever it is, they're known for one thing. So that's all they'll do for the rest of their life. I feel that I'm coming, like, the people that follow me now, they follow me as a content creator for my content, not for he's white and speaks Arabic. I'm sure there's some that's like, okay, still looking at a monkey in a cage. Like, <laughs> <laughs> there's still some of those hundred percent, but I feel 90%. Like now they'll comment if I speak English. They're like, man, you look weird when you're speaking English. Wow. So cool. I'm, I'm happy about that's that. That's really cool. But the Middle East is beautiful. Yeah. And Arabs are beautiful people. And the culture here is beautiful. And Islam is a beautiful religion. So if I can show people about the place that I am and the place that I've grown up and the place that I plan on being for the rest of my life and like show people from the West, mm. man, eye-opening. Like yesterday I was at this event, there's a flat 12 picnic, it's a car event, it was in Safa Park and a Norwegian guy, he's here for a week, stopped by and like he sat down because he had the same car as me. In Norway, he has the same car, which I bought from Saudi, by the way. <laughs> it's old Land Cruiser. Good. But uh, we had a long discussion and they're talking about, yeah, I was like, yeah, you guys should come back and you should travel. You should go to Amman, go to Saudi. I go to Saudi. 
I was like, yeah, you need to go to Saudi. So I pulled out my phone. I've got thousands of photos from Saudi. All right. It's like, look, all right. Whatever you're looking for, you can find it in Saudi. And whatever you find in Saudi is probably nicer than what you see anywhere else. Rock paintings, ancient history, culture, food, dance, festivals, whatever it is. Yeah, absolutely. It's there. All right. You name it. See, go to Yanbur. Right? Not yet. Okay. Not yet. No, okay. no, I've I've driven by it. Okay, okay. Right? We didn't stop because I went by it when I was in the show. 100%. Right? Like, I've got a friend, he drives there, or he dives there, and man, 45 meter visibility at times. Like, most days, like 30 is like the standard I'm, we're used to. But I'm like 30. Man, here we get eight meters. We're like, alhamdulillah, we can see our feet. It's amazing. Right? But like, telling them about that and seeing their eyes open be like, yeah, but what about women? I was like, man, you're going to go to Saudi and you're going to have your socks blown off your feet. Right? Like everybody is so nice. Yeah. I was like, here, walk by the locals, right? Like the mm-hmm. people that were sitting next to us, mm-hmm. it was all a bunch of guys from Umm Al-Gawain. There wow. wasn't one person that walked by them that they didn't invite for coffee and sweets and to sit mm-hmm. and have food and chat. Like this is the standard Arab hospitality. Mm-hmm. And I feel it's kind of like everywhere in the world, the further you get away from the big cities, yeah. the more hospitable people become. Yeah. And because Saudi is so big, there's so much that's away from the big cities. <laughs> Man, like people are so nice and so kind and so generous and so giving and so welcoming. It's like, you could go on a trip of 20 girls yeah. by yourselves. You'd be safe. You'd be welcome. You'd be che- like, everything would be taken care of for you. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. recently they said in the UAE is like the safest place in the world for women. Right, I'm sure Saudi is probably number two, number three. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like the Western image of the region, mm-hmm. the Western image of who Arabs are, the Western image of the religion is 100% off. Mm-hmm. I had cousins come visit me and they're like, oh yeah, but what do we have to wear? It's like, listen, like, I told them what I thought was respectable. Like I told them, cover your shoulders, cover your knees. Yeah. Right? It's an international city and yeah, you're going to see people in thongs. Right to the beach. Right. But you don't want to be that person right, here. Right, right, right. Like in my opinion, if yeah. you want to, fine, that's your problem. But I'm looking at this from the per- perspective of I have local friends. Yes, yes, yes. And I know that their mothers are walking on the beach. Yeah. And I know what they would like and would not like to see. So yes, yeah, it's yes, nice yes. to welcome everybody and you can do whatever you want. But my cousins, what I, th- like I'd want them to do what I'd be comfortable for people to see. Yes, yes, yes. And they were blown away. They're like, this is unbelievable. It's like, Yeah. It's not what they expected. I had an uncle that had never traveled outside of UK and US in his life. 56 years old. He visited us in Yemen. After that, he went to Liberia. He went to Iraq. He went to, he traveled all over because everything that you're fed through the Western media, mm-hmm. I'm sorry to say, but it's like baloney. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. You're safe here. You're safe in Saudi. You're safe as a single good looking young woman in the middle of nowhere in Saudi. And I'm sorry to say, but you're safer there than you are in the West. Right, like the concept of guests is, uh, I can't say it's holy, but it's almost holy here. It's up there, <laughs> right? Like it's, it's really high and it's really important for people. And the amount that people would do for their guests is not something you'd experience unless you're like really, really in the boondocks of a Western country. Mm. Like go to, I don't know, the middle of nowhere in Scotland and the farmers will treat you well. Mm-hmm. But in majority of the places, it's, it's a different life. So I really want to be able to show a Western audience through the eyes of somebody that obviously can like, okay, so you're Saudi. If you talk about Saudi, people are like, yeah, no, Saudi. Saudi. of course, of course you're going to say, say Saudi's amazing, <laughs> right? Which makes sense. Absolutely. 
If I'm American and British and I say, yeah, America's amazing, then yeah, you're American. It makes sense. I have nothing to do with Saudi, right? I love it. I have nothing to do with Yemen. I love it. I have nothing to do with Amman. I have nothing to do with Bahrain. I love them, right? Like I was just in Bahrain. I was just inside. I drove to Saudi recently. Like amazing countries, amazing people. The guys at the border are amazing. Everything, like everywhere feels in with fish in, right? There's good and bad anywhere. So I'm not saying everything's perfect. But man, like if people in the West saw what it's like here, I don't think they'd ever leave. So two two things about what you're saying really stand out to me. One is um, I and I really like that you're 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 open to evolving. Who not really who you are, but the the image that you're any you're what you're what you're known for or or like your focus. And uh, I think a lot of people would have fear. Like it's not easy to think. Okay, this is what's worked for me in the past. Um, maybe I should just stick to it. I know it wor- it's worked in the past. Yeah. It could keep working. Uh, but for you to say, well, uh, I can evolve into actually this 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 new direction. Not any that you're going to leave uh, what you've been doing, but say it could complement each other or work well together. But I think that's really really cool. Uh, kudos, Andy, for that. Appreciate it. Um, well, yeah, I think also timing is on point because it any. Saudi's opening up. It's becoming easier to visit. Um, I think there's interest now. It's kind of like yeah. on people's mind. Like, okay, maybe there is something to see. Uh, it does. I think it sounds sounds really cool. I appreciate it, and I think there's two things I need to say. Number one, the thing about evolving. Mm-hmm. If you don't, if you do the same thing, no matter how successful it is, yeah. right, and you do it at the same level, yeah, you're going backwards because everything's moving past you, right? Right now. Great. Like, I don't know what the world record is in freediving, mm-hmm. right? But there was a time that they thought people couldn't go past a hundred meters because their lungs are going to collapse. Exactly. Right. We've gone past that. If that was the, the mindset that you're diving with and you're never going to go past that, then okay, you're never going to reach. Mm-hmm. All right. Look at the performance of cars. The speeds you're driving at now when you're racing on your racing team mm-hmm. are things that people could never dream of before. So if you'd stayed at the same level that they're racing at in the fifties, you'd actually go back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now that's Sheikh Zayed road, right? Like <laughs> yeah. literally like yeah. if you don't develop, if you don't evolve, I feel you're going backwards. Mm. Right. This is one. Beautiful. And timing wise, I think a hundred percent, but unfortunately something that I seen, and I, I don't know. I don't know if it's just me. I, I, I hope other people also see it. Mm-hmm. I feel like the Western media has it against us. And when I say us, mm. I say that, like, I mean the region, mm. right? Whatever happens in Saudi, people are like, no, yeah, but this happened, that happened. It's like, yo, like, yeah, yeah, have yeah. you been there? Yes, yes, yes. Right? Go. All right. You think it's not safe for women? Man, I want to do a TV show. Bring me 10 women and I'll, I'll let them, I'll film them walking around random neighborhoods, 10 random neighborhoods <laughs> in the US and 10 random neighborhoods in Saudi. We'll see how they feel. And we'll interview them before and after, put them in a room, microphone. Okay, what do you think? Where did you feel safer? Right? Yeah, and people still have these ancient misconceptions that were based completely on racism and not based on fact. Mm. And this is their ideas that are still in their heads, even in 2022 when they have access, right? Like one of the things I didn't touch on, but like social media, like everything, there's a positive and there's a negative. 100%, it's a double-edged sword. It can be good, it can do really bad things. But people need to be on top of their stuff and people need to go out and search and realize and look and travel and listen to people. Like now... I can, if I want to go to Djibouti, 
I can open up Instagram and I can see what's going on in Djibouti. I can open up Twitter. I can open up Snapchat. I can go on the map and live. I can see what the people are doing. Mm-hmm. There's no excuse for ignorance anymore. Like mm-hmm. there wasn't before, but now like there's no way around it. Like you need to educate yourselves. Yeah. And Saudi's putting a lot of money into showing people what it's like. But on the ground in Saudi, like things have changed 180 degrees in the past couple of years. Yeah. Right. And I'm not Absolutely. saying that it was bad before, but like just the visitor experience coming in through the airports. Yeah. Right. Man, Saudi airports are now world-class Yeah. and coming in as a white expat, whatever, they know that you speak English, right? You're welcomed by young Saudis speaking perfect, unaccented English saying, welcome to Saudi Arabia. We hope you have an amazing time. If there's any way we can help you, we're here. Right. You fly into Dubai, Terminal 3. I've left the airport in Dubai without taking my bags because I got out so quickly. <laughs> I was like, wait, where's my suitcase? <laughs> Seriously, I walked straight past baggage control because everything was so smooth. Yeah, yeah. I'm used to going to JFK and being stuck in a room for three hours and asking, <laughs> so why did you go to Pakistan? And what were you doing in Amman? Yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Like things here are not like people can imagine. Mm. So I think 100%... It is time because lots of money has been put to, being put in to bring people. Like people realize that UAE, I think recently there's an article, UAE and Saudi are the top two places in the world to be during COVID. Mm, interesting. Right? Like people are taking care of here, right? Everybody's cared for, right? There is religious freedom. Like there's so much going on yeah. that people wouldn't expect. Yes. yes. Don't believe. Yeah. So yeah, on that on that note, um, I, I experienced that firsthand recently when uh, so Jeddah had the first F1 race uh, in Saudi. How was it? Uh, it was man, the atmosphere was was surreal. Yeah. It was it was pretty amazing uh, on so many levels. But um, what uh, to, to to the point you just mentioned, the it felt like the media coming in, yani, from from uh, you know Sky, BBC, whatever. Um, had it against us looking for problems they looking for just, complaints exactly and and trying to frame things as like okay and you saw these trying to do this they're trying to cover up but don't forget Tara, this is blah, 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 blah. and in every interview when they interviewed the i don't know the minister of sports they interviewed different representatives it's always like yeah like dig yourself out of this hole yeah and it's it's, uh, it's, <laughs> it's it's annoying yeah and as a westerner it's embarrassing Right? Because can you imagine if Saudi media went and did the same thing in the West? Mm. Right? Like they'd be up in arms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So 100%. And it's annoying because anything that's happened on this side of the world happens on that side of the world. Mm. Right? And normally more happens on that side of the world. Mm. Right? Look at women's rights. Look at whatever it is. Yeah. Like I remember a while back there was, uh, there was like a campaign against the UAE because there was, uh, I think it was like a gender equality awards or something. Okay. And the three people that accepted the awards on stage were men. Mm-hmm. Right. But man, like English press was trashing us. <laughs> so, like I took like personal offense. Right. I took, like, I seriously took it to heart. I was like, okay, like I'm going to look into this. So one of the winners, he was the head of a department, like a government department, yeah. where now more than 50% of his department was women. Wow. In leadership positions. Right? Wow. So it makes sense that, okay, who had the biggest impact on diversity? Obviously it's him because he's the one doing the hiring. Yes, yes, yes. Right? And I can't remember if two of the other winners were women, but they were accepted by men, right? Like one of the women, like she didn't want to be on stage. One of the okay. women, she was home with a, like that type of thing. But the awardees weren't all men. Interesting. And then if you go into the numbers and you look at actual gender discrimination here versus the West, yeah. we come out on top in all ways. Really? Right? Like to that look, extent? Oh, completely. Like you're looking at 
the education. No yeah, man. Women, I'm just talking UAE because this is what okay. I research, but like yes, yes. women in UAE and probably Saudi too are more educated than men now. Wow. Right? Higher education. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? If you're looking now and like you look at the ministers in the UAE, there are so many, so many ministers and they're not put in like, oh, token ministry that doesn't do anything. No, there are like, sorry, the light was moving. There are powerful women in powerful places making big decisions that are implemented, right? Wow. Like you look at Expo 2020, uh, light's still going, we're good. They're gone, he's asleep. It's fine. <laughs> if the lighting changes, it's not my fault. I won't <laughs> like, look at Expo 2020, all right? Her Excellency Rimul Hashmi, man. She yeah. is unbelievable, yeah. right? And she was there. I remember we went to an event and it was something like she'd given birth two days before or something. Wow. And she was there and on top of stuff. Wow. It's like, man, I'm not a woman. Sorry. I can never give birth and I can never imagine what it's like. <laughs> but if I gave birth, you bet I'm not going to do anything, right? Like I stubbed my toe, I'm going to be out of work for two weeks. But like there are women doing big things here. Yeah. I'm making big moves and there's big women and women and uh, big women in business doing big things in the in sports, doing big things in politics, doing so much. But yeah, as you said, everything, yeah. But okay, what about this one case? What, you know what they did to this guy, right? Man, go to the States, look what the police does in the States, look what the government does. To, it's like, you guys are still talking, right? Like here they say, oh, there's no freedom of speech. It's like, man, there's nothing I want to complain about. I'm safe, I'm healthy, I'm taken care of, and I know the government generally has the people's best interest at heart, mm -hmm. right? You look at the States, I'm not happy with what they're doing. My dad's American, I'm half American. I've got a US passport. I'm not happy with where the US is. Mm -hmm. I'm not happy with where it's going. I'm not happy with the racism that I see. I'm not happy with the sexism that I see. I'm not happy with the bigotry. Like there's so much that I see. I'm not happy with their foreign policy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like there's so much that I see going on there, but no, that's fine. Right, like you, one time you guys did this one thing and it's gonna live with you, you're never gonna escape it, huh? What did you do when you're two years old? Like, come on guys, too much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I totally get it, totally get it. It's, uh, it bothers me. I, I, I can feel I'm it. I'm sure it bothers you more because you're actually Saudi, but like I'm saying just like yeah, yeah, semi yeah. on the inside, like man. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I was taught as a kid, don't so throw stones you're, if you're, you're in on the house. inside just as much as we are, man. Like, as you're one of us. Heavy, man. Don't throw stones if you're in a glass house. Mm -hmm. Like you guys really want to talk about human record, uh, human rights records? Like you're American, right? <laughs> Man, okay, so you're English. So let's talk about your colonial history okay. and how, <laughs> yeah. how great that was for human rights. So, so, like there's, there's so much that I feel has been kind of whitewashed and forgotten. So, so, because so. no, no, we did it, but it, it's fine. But anybody else, no, you can't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, and I has like, it's not any, yeah, the goal is Hassan and um, like sometimes you get this um, gets fired up and I'm like okay they're putting us down we want to put the, put them yeah. down I think it's not what it's about and we just all want to be خلاص, like just yeah خلاص, yeah for me like, like you can fight fire with fire because if you want to reply to them and tell them and show them what they've done mm. you'll, you'll never end yeah, right yeah, yeah. it's like okay that's what you think come to Saudi mm. right uh, beautiful like, come, beautiful right. Like I've got an experience and I'll tell everybody this experience because it was something that's going to stay in my head forever. All right. I was going to a friend's wedding in Saudi. He went to university with me. Hazem Habdan, amazing person. I was waiting at the airport in Riyadh. His driver was a little bit late picking me up. I came on the day of the wedding. I was staying a couple of days after. Mm -hmm. And this was like before the whole opening up thing. So like things were still slower. Mm -hmm. I was sitting on the sidewalk, cross-legged with my suitcase. Old Saudi guy walks up, had no idea where I'm from. Assumed that I was probably Shami or something. 
It's like, Assalamu alaikum, alaikum salam. Hi, how are you? Everything. We talked back and forth. He's like, do you know how I get to departures? I was like, honestly, I just arrived. I'm not sure. I'm very sorry. There might be stairs at the end, so you can check. But if I'm wrong, like, I apologize. Mm-hmm. He's like, okay, thank you. Went on his way. Five minutes later, 10 minutes later, he comes back. Same guy. He's like, what are you still doing here? I was like, oh, I'm waiting for my friend's driver. He's like, does your friend's driver have your number? I was like, yeah, yeah, of course. Don't worry. He's like, no, no, you're going to come to my house. We'll have coffee. We'll have lunch. He can pick you up from my house. You're not waiting here. Like, if this uh, happened to you in the States, there's no way you go with him. So Like, man, he's going to steal my kidneys or I don't know what he's going to do. Sell me to a satanic cult or something. Right? Like, I mean, I, if, if you're asked in the first place. I, yeah, if you asked, 100%. Like, I'd be so suspicious. Yeah, yeah, right? But there it was coming from such a clean and innocent and kind and generous and what? Like, no, you're a guest in my country. Like, you can't be sitting on the sidewalk. And man, like, if it's like that, like, honestly, I wish, I wish we got like the most Middle East hating people and brought them here. Say, listen, you're staying for a month. You're staying for a year. If after a year you still hate on us, enjoy. Hate as much as you want. It's fine. But see if they still can. Mm, that's such a beautiful approach. I think any, any, you talked about finding, trying to find purpose in like what you're doing, making sure it's meaningful. And I think, um, this is beautiful. Any what what more noble thing can you work strive towards than to bring bring people closer to each other? If, uh, yeah, I hope I hope it works. I hope it works out. Inshallah. Maybe. Um, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> well, life I'm works a- in mysterious ways, right? Like yeah. I don't know. Eight years ago, I was working at a desk in PNG selling shampoo and stuff. I've done two TV shows. I'm sitting here with you. Like <laughs> things work out in, in different yeah, ways. Allah. On a, on a concluding note, I'm about to go because I feel like I talk uh, too much. I know. Sorry. <laughs> um, I feel like getting into your you're in a unique position to maybe also in not only point out what's um, the beautiful side of what we're doing here and highlighting that, but also I think you can see anywhere there is room for improvement. Yeah. Um, what what are some of the things that stand out to you, or you think ah, I wish like. Uh, it could be about Middle Eastern culture in general. Yeah. It was like, ah, like we could do better when it comes to this. So there's two things that are like top of mind. Mm-hmm. Number one is more here than anywhere else. Mm-hmm. I hate the expat local divide. <laughs> I genuinely hate it. Right? It's like two separate bubbles. Eh? It's two separate bubbles and very rarely mm-hmm. do things mix. Increasingly now, there's some places that they mix, but like normally locals don't work in the same place. The expats work and there's just like an invisible divide, right? Like expats see a Kandora or Abaya and they're like, oh no, stay away, be careful. And the Kandora or Abaya see expats and like, oh no, we don't want to offend them or whatever it is. But another, I'm going to use another example because I've got a very close friend, older than me, amazing guy, Khal bin Hadr, right? He opened a place called Bikers Cafe. It's on Jamila Beach Road, right? He's not a biker. And I asked him, why did you open like a biker's cafe? Like if I was a biker, okay, I'd open a biker's cafe. Like for bicycles or motorbikes? Motorbikes. Okay, motorbikes. Yeah, motorbikes. Yeah. Right, like why would you open biker's cafe when you're not a biker? Yeah. And he's like, listen, in our country, the only thing that brings everybody together is a shared passion. Mm-hmm. Right? So, okay. Now, if you go into the freediving world, because you're a freediver, right? You'll be sitting, you'll be an Indian, you'll be a Ukrainian, you'll be a Saudi, you'll be an American. Everybody's together speaking the same language. Right? Yesterday, there was arguably the biggest car event in the history of UAE. There was more than 1,800 cars that showed up, classic performance, whatever, modified, all kinds of different things. People from everywhere, local families, sitting with expat families, everybody was talking the same language, right? So he literally opened this cafe 
because he wanted a place for people to bond and cross this invisible divide. So for me, if we could get rid of that, I think it would be absolutely amazing. Like that is probably well, on one. point. Saraha. On point. I really feel like it's something uh, since I moved here recently, I feel like, yeah, I can feel it. Um, there is a really, really strong divide. And I, I think you put it into words really well. And it doesn't need to be there because yeah. realistically speaking, if you take away the clothes, right? And I'm not like, not all clothes, but like Kendora and Abaya, like, <laughs> we're like, man, we're all the same, yeah. right? We have the same hopes, fears, dreams, whatever it is. Everybody is the same, right? We love the same. We cry the same. We're happy the same. We laugh the same. People are the same. It doesn't matter what color they are, what they believe in, where they're born, whatever it is. You can be different in everything, like outside, but inside we're identical, right? So I think that everybody's losing so much by not integrating, right? And I'm not saying you have to lose touch with your culture, right? I'm not saying stop speaking Arabic, stop speaking English, stop speaking Portuguese. Do whatever you want to do, stay who you are, but learn about the people around you and interact with them because your experience is going to be 10 times better. Alrighty, this brings another episode of Fahed Goes Bananas to a close. Thank you so much for tuning in. You know the drill. If you like what you heard, give me a rating, share it with your friends, with your family, anyone who might benefit from this, and see you next time.